Addiction is a disease that impacts all of us. Whether you, your neighbor, friend, or family member is struggling, everyone feels the pain of addiction. Recovery Centers of America, Monroeville, wants you to know that addiction treatment works and recovery is possible. Call 1-888-RECOVERY-NOW for help for yourself or a loved one. Recovery Centers of America have helped thousands of patients across the United States and here in Western Pennsylvania start a better, healthier way of life through their evidence-based inpatient and outpatient treatment programs. The caring team of physicians and clinicians at Recovery Centers of America see their patients as so much more than their addiction and are deeply committed to providing expert care with heart. Recovery Centers of America knows that every day in active addiction is a day in isolation, which is why they admit new patients 24-7 year-round. Don't wait. Make the call that can change everything. Call 1-888-RECOVERY-NOW. Hey, I'm Lilia Luciano, the host of El Flow, a podcast about reggaeton. In this podcast, we're going to hear from iconic reggaeton artists and take you backstage into all the conflict and drama that helped shape reggaeton. It's a story that includes war, drugs, censorship, sex, of course, perreo, my grandmother, and hell, even the CIA. Listen to El Flow on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Jen Kirkman, host of the Anxiety Bites podcast. Take a weekly deep dive into anxiety as I share stories from my decades of anxiety disorders and recovery, as well as candid and down-to-earth interviews with esteemed experts in the field of anxiety who are here to help us all have our anxiety bite less. Subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome to Record Store Society, a production of iHeartRadio. That sounds pretty interesting, which is that a good movie from a franchise is like a good cover song. Because like it has a lot of the same elements that you recognize and you want to follow along and be interested in it. But but you actually, you need new things too. You need a change. You need something that's going to actually make it worth your time, worth your, worth your energy. Do you know what I mean? Interesting. Yeah, I can see how that would work for a cover song and a franchise movie. Oh, hey, uh, hi, welcome to our record store. I'm Seth and this is Tara. Feel free to look around and uh, just give us a shout if you need anything. Uh, in particular, I have to give credit where credit's due. Uh, Paul Rust said that and it was on one of my favorite podcasts uh, with Gorley and Rust. Anyway, it's one of my favorite cool. shows. And uh, they were talking, I think, specifically about like horror franchises like Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street. But yeah, the, the idea between... A, a franchise film being similar to a cover song is something that, that's kind of been sticking with me lately. And oh, oh, look who's here. It is Noel Brown. Well, hey, guys. How's it uh, going, Noel? Th- th- thanks for letting me into your record store. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's welcome unless they aren't. And of course, you're welcome. It's that's so nice. It's so I, I you know, I, I haven't been in many record stores lately this is uh this is a delight well we we want it to be homey and comfortable 
Uh, we, we have a few it things. Is. There's, you, you've already given me a cushion. You've placed <laughs> me in a very comfortable chair all the while. And now you've got, you've got a cushion under me and you're like, my feet are up. And no, I'm making all of that up, obviously. But no, I feel very welcome. And this is lovely. I couldn't help but overhear your comparison of, uh, of franchise films to covered songs. I, I heard it you know, from outside. I didn't mean to eavesdrop. But oh, it's fine. Uh, I, I, I think that's a pretty apt comparison because like on the one hand, you want you want it to be familiar. Mm-hmm. You don't you know you don't want to do like the Aphex Twin thing where you do like a remix of of, of the Lemonheads and you turn in this thing that's obviously never been near a Lemonhead song ever. <laughs> um, but you also don't want it to be a complete rehash. You also don't want it to be so left field that it like maybe like feels like it's making fun of the song. There's a fine line, I yeah. think, is what I'm getting at with cover songs. Well, and, and I think this this would be a good analogy for that. Okay, think about Halloween Part Three. Have you all seen that one? Is that Season of the Witch? That one's Season of the Witch. That's the one yeah. that has no Michael Myers, has nothing to do with the previous two Halloween films. So it's like, why even call it Halloween? And I think right. that applies to cover songs too. It's like, why even call this a cover? It's so far from the original. Just call it a new song. We, we, we would true. love this song if it's just a new song. But because you called it a cover, we're holding it up to all these other criteria Anyway, but 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 Noel, we bring this up because uh, Tara and I, we we're about to play the high fidelity game for the day, and we were going to do top five cover songs. As long as you're here, would you, would you like yeah. to, to join in on that for us? Oh my gosh, we're going to get right to it? Well, uh, uh, Tara, I, I, you're up first today. Are you oh. ready to jump into this? Yeah, I'm ready. Fantastic. Uh, why don't you kick us off, Tara? Okay, I'm ready. Number five from 1984. Shaka Khan, I feel for you. Prince cover. Th- that that's surprising me. I'm glad we're kicking this off with with kind of an odd one, and I'm kind of happy, huh? <laughs> Interesting. You know, it's interesting, too, because I always think of that being a Shaka Khan song. Ditto. Like, in the same way that I think of Nothing Compares to You being a Sinead O'Connor song that Prince wrote. Like, his version of of Nothing Compares to You is really cool, but I don't find it to be the definitive version. And I don't know that I've even ever heard his version of I Feel for You. Yeah, it's kind of more disco-y. And actually, a few people have covered it. Um, The Pointer Sisters, uh, Rebby, Rebby who did uh, Centipede, she covered it. Um, But yeah, it's it's more of a funky version, less a disco-y version. And there's, you know, the like drum machine and you got Melly Mel from Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five on the intro or like in the rap section, kind of like repeating her name over and over again. It's it's cool. Yeah, it is. She definitely made it kind of her own for sure. Hmm. I'm 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 into this. I'm into this. This is this is a fun way to kick it off. Huh. <laughs> yeah. 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 I play this one all the time when I'm DJing, so I had to put it on my list. That makes a lot of sense. Wow. And and also, um, I, I don't want to spill the beans, but this this is a pretty old one compared to my list too, which I also dig. Like for some reason I definitely think about cover songs as like a modern phenomenon, although clearly it's not. I mean, obviously, like all the old folk songs and traditional songs are versions of like doing covers and whatnot. But uh, wow, no, I'm, I'm glad you're kicking it yeah. off with uh, with some 80s style. I dig it. Yeah, actually, speaking of that, I mean, I have so many on the list that I'd love to talk about maybe at the end. But there's a lot of old old songs on there. 
Um, you're talking about Shaka Khan's song being old. Yes, right? correct. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Not necessarily like, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting though. Like, I mean, my list, which I definitely just always have on my person, just in case I run into a situation like this where I'm of asked course. to rank my top five cover songs, <laughs> is 10 long, admittedly. And I can't decide whether to start at 10 and go to the middle because they're really not. They, they, I tried to rank them in order of my favorite, but it's hard. And I did it, you know, admittedly, like I was going to try for five. Then I realized I had 10. But as I got to the end, I thought of more. And it's one of those things where, like, now I have to reorder it. So I'm going to do my best to just be you know honest about where they actually fall in my personal like ranking but i'm probably gonna fail sometimes but i have a lot of like older <laughs> songs that were made famous later like Ooh. that's sort of a, a theme yeah. In yeah. Mind, yeah. which I, I would you know like older older like uh this actually didn't make my list but a good example is tainted love by mm. uh by soft cell yes. which is i'm gosh i'm forgetting the artist but it is more of like a like a soul like a 60s soul kind of crooning song that is then given this creepy kind of you know synthy yeah. reimagining by soft cell and that's the version any everyone thinks of they don't yeah. think of the uh, the original you, you know I'm, I'm gonna jump on this bandwagon of what you're saying i hope i'm not stepping on anyone's toes with future covers i really hope i'm not i can think of two other 80s songs where they did that exact same thing uh one is uh taco putting on the ritz mm -hmm. and another one uh, one of my absolute favorites and i'm kind of um worried that this isn't in my plan to be in my top five is um always something there to remind me Th th that have you guys ever heard the original version of that song I don't think I've heard the original version of that one, but it's, I'm just it's an old Burt Bacharach, like 1960s, Ooh. and it's got some real. Oh, swing I can hear to that. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Like his, he has that sort of like vibe for sure. I love Burt Bacharach. Let me <laughs> tell you. I actually saw a really good meme the other day that was like a, one of those Coachella posters, but it was like the Goodwill version, you know, because <laughs> yes, it was like all, all the, the types of find. records yeah. that you see at Goodwill. Uh -huh. And Burt Bacharach, I think, headlined day three. Oh, of course. Of course. That's like um, also uh, our one of our local record stores, Wax and Facts. They have a section in their used section for just used Barbara Streisand because <laughs> it's there's a lot of it. She's put out a lot of albums and people will uh, people will return them on occasion. And that's that's all cool. You know, um, I remember uh, I went to a record store and they did one of those really wonderful deals where you could get a, a blind box, just like literally like a moving box size mm -hmm. box, about a hundred mm -hmm. records for like five bucks. And they're like, take it. And I swear I had about four Barbara Streisand records in there. And maybe a couple of them, I had a couple copies of them <laughs> inside this one box. I don't know if they have these around here. We're in Atlanta, obviously. Um, uh, but in Augusta, Georgia, which is my hometown, there is a store called Second and Charles, mm. uh, which is like kind of a, a corporate-y type store. Um, but they do comics, they do, you know, records, they do like video games, all used stuff. And they have a really good system for like trading things in. It's sort of like maybe around here you compare it to discount books, I think is what it's called. Oh, yeah. Uh, they half they price do books half maybe, price books. Um, that, half price books. That's what it's called. Yeah. But they do blind boxes. And I've never seen a blind box situation ever. Uh, and they have them in the very front of the store and they're like i think 10 bucks yeah and it's like a hundred records or something crazy yeah. like that and i would roll the dice on one of those one day that could be fun especially i don't know if like just just to really quickly let you know some of what i've been getting into lately with records i exclusively buy records now for the electronic music that i make mm. um, i buy things weird things to sample and like strange you know thrift store finds and i had to mention this because I was so excited about it, and it ended up being a letdown, but it's this record called Arithmetic, Whoa. and when you look at the back of it, it says, 
it's, it's got all these, I realize this is a set and I, I, I was missing all the other records, but it's for a greater knowledge and understanding of biology, let the record give you the meanings and pronunciations of the many difficult biological terms you must learn. And it goes by band, band one, plants, insects, blood, cardiovascular system. And I realized that the only one that I got was the arithmetic one. And it's literally just different times tables. A, a dude reading like one times two, yeah. one, like six times nine, seven times 12. And it, you know, not, it, it, it wears thin pretty quickly, but uh, it, it had a lot of potential. But No, I see what you mean. Like that could be like a really nice source for sampling and stuff. Yes, exactly. And of all the options, you're right. That's the least interesting, but it, but it still sounds pretty interesting. I, I, I hope you still end up using that. It sounds good. No, no, I probably will find some some place to use it for sure. Right. <laughs> uh, speaking of numbers, Tara, Tara, why don't you yeah. hit us up with that number four on yeah. your list? Number four is from 1994. Jeff Buckley, Hallelujah. And she tied you to her kitchen chair And she broke your throne and she cut your hair And from your lips she drew the heart Classic. Leonard Cohen cover. Of course. Yes. Of course. I mean, Leonard Cohen covers have to be more popular than the Leonard Cohen originals in nearly every case, right? Like that that has to be a fact at this point. I'm not I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't- yeah, the, this one is just like I mean, this is though this is uh, on the number one of a lot of lists that I was looking up oh, yeah. uh, of like covers. Like it's just you know because it it does exactly what you're talking about. It recontextualizes the original because he you know Leonard Cohen's not known for being like having a glorious set of pipes, you know. Right, right. And the song is about singing the most beautiful song imaginable. <laughs> and Leonard Cohen, I mean, it's great, but he's sort of you know got a bit of a deadpan kind of delivery. And then you got Jeff Buckley with these this just like angelic voice just taking it to the next level and really I mean honestly I don't think anybody would argue that that this is not like the definitive version of that song yeah no I completely agree and this one's been covered a few times as well I mean even to hear like Willie Nelson cover this is still moving and he doesn't have the pipes that Jeff Buckley has but yeah it's still such a moving song that really I think whoever does it it's still going to be moving uh, maybe not. I don't know. But Willie Nelson for sure and Leonard Cohen for sure. Definitely Jeff Buckley. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like didn't Rufus Wainwright cover it for the Shrek soundtrack? Is that is that a fact <laughs> in my head? <laughs> oh, God. I, I want to say I mean, Shrek soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, well, Rufus Wainwright and Leonard Cohen, they were close um, before he passed, or at least their their families are close. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't. I mean, Loudon, that's definitely Loudon not, Wainwright would have been in the same yeah. kind of uh, era, era as as Leonard, I would imagine. Yeah, the, the that, elder yeah. Wainwright. Yeah. So yeah, not surprising that he would have covered that. But the most surprising fact is that it was for a Shrek soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which, I'd have to look that up. I haven't listened to the yeah. Shrek soundtrack in a long time. <laughs> well, that brings me to my number four. I'm a believer, covered by Smash Mouth by uh, the Monkees. I'm just kidding. But, yeah. but I love it. <laughs> well, but, nice. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that one's not a shocker. Also, while I was putting this together, I was thinking we're definitely going to have some overlap. We oh. must. Well, I, I'd be lying if I didn't say I've at least considered uh, Hallelujah for my list. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave it I there I mean, I now. wasn't even thinking of that one, but I'm definitely thinking uh, of, well, a couple that I left off on purpose and one for sure. That if you don't have, I'll be surprised. Oh, I I know which one you're going to say, <laughs> and I'm not even going to say it out loud right okay, now. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm just gonna I'm just gonna dwell on this. But all right, uh, all right. but yeah, like I guess let's get to it. How, how okay. about your number yeah. three? Number three is 
uh, a Saint Germain cover, um, which is a French electronic band by covered by Georgia Smith, and it's called Rose Rouge. Came out this year. I want you to get together. You're, you're baffling me on this Sorry. one. I, I don't know Came any out of this. 2020. I forgot they were already in 2021. That's right. Time I know, I know them. <laughs> who, 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 what, what, San Germain, like, what are they kind of, what kind of vibe are they? They came out in the whole, like, sort of trip hop era, like MTV amp era, where that's, yeah, yeah. like, a lot of, like, super cool electronic music. They're, um, yeah, like I said, French. And actually, um, they sampled Marlena Shaw's song, Woman of the Ghetto. But um, it's, like, more, a lot of piano loops and, like, uh, symbols and whatnot but georgia smith's version is very jazzy saxophone it's for blue note records compilation so it's it's amazing nice interesting i i, I definitely have to look this one up this isn't one i've heard so good, good times this was my most played song in 2020 actually ah. <laughs> i put that shit on loop <laughs> yeah i could not stop listening to it it was so good love it yeah all right so number two is a Carpenter's cover from 1994. Oh, yeah. By Sonic Youth. I uh, love it. Love Superstar. it. Superstar. so good that whole compilation is great like, yes is there another doesn't is there is Deerhoof on it no someone there's a Japanese no. sounding band that does maybe it's Shonen Knife Shonen Knife yeah top they the do world. Top of the World yeah I love lo I grew up not grew up but like in my formative indie rock kind of like experience days that was an important <laughs> compilation to me because it turned me on to a lot of weird bands <laughs> uh, yeah yeah I was, yeah, I was gonna say gonna... Tara is this the record that you came over to my house because the um the record hole wasn't big enough, so we had to drill it bigger. Is this that record? <laughs> no, but related to that record because mm -hmm. I got them that album that didn't the hole didn't wasn't there all, all the way, and this one kind of around the same time, and they're both compilations in my formative years as well. Um, so this one, uh, if I were a carpenter, uh, which had many great artists on it but that one was the saturday morning yes. cartoons compilation oh i had that one too <laughs> such a good yeah. one such yes. a good compilation sure. um but yeah no i i remember that uh, of like just the experimentational nature of me having to get covers. like a hand drill and having to like risk trying to make the hole just a little bit bigger so it'll fit on a record player but not too big that it'll like <laughs> slip yeah, or split. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. Ha I have to say, like Thurston Moore's deadpan delivery on that. It's like it's so great. I, I can, I cannot, can I kind of do it. It's like, don't you remember you told me you love me, baby? <laughs> I, mean, you? It, I mean, it's like you can't get more deadpan than Thurston Moore on that cover of a Carpenter song. I don't know. I don't think it. I disagree. I don't think it was deadpan at all. And I, I feel like it was. I don't think it was. I feel like it was breathy. It was like him being seductive in a way. And oh, if you okay. listen to it, compared to the the Carpenter's like very contemporary, adult contemporary ballad style, and then listen to his, it's like he was embodying the the superstar that she's singing about. That sort of like dreamy rock mm. star vibe. Okay. I completely agree with you especially on the verses the choruses is where i think it becomes really deadpan to me because the chorus of that original song is so jubilant oh, yeah. through the roof and the way he's doing it in comparison just feels almost comically like down kind of like he's the superstar that's like doped up on valium you know yeah. like that's like shoved into the dressing room and like propped up or whatever that's that's what i picture with that song 
Uh, and, and plus, it was used that, yeah. in that really good scene in uh, Juno as well. That that, that set us right. up for some really oh, yeah. solid Juno Sonic Youth jokes in that movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, number we two. are to my number one now. Right. I'm ready. And that is another, yet another Prince cover. Can you tell I like Prince? Of course. But also the covers. <laughs> um, and that is No Shocker Here, Nothing Compares to You by Sinead O'Connor. Excellent stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, it's emotional. It's gutsy to cover Prince, and apparently she like went to his house. He invited her to come to his house, and um, he said, "By the way, I don't like you cussing in interviews." And she was like, "Oh, fuck you! I don't care what you have to say." And he kicked her out or something like that. What? But really? then he cusses in songs. He said, "Apparently, she said that the press really blew that one up, but she said he was a sweet guy." So I don't know what's true, but <laughs> it's kind of a funny story to see them arguing and a mad Irish woman and. Prince. Yeah. He has a song called Prince. Sexy Motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's contextual for him. Like, yeah, yeah. And it was only, right. yeah, his, in his version of that song, I think only came out in 1989 and hers came out in 1990. So it wasn't like much, you know, much later in his years where he maybe was a little bit more spiritual or anything mm-hmm. like that. W- would you not agree though? Or and, and, uh, that, 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 that Quintus like that it's her song. Like at this point it's, it's a Sinead O'Connor song. Like, I don't know. I'm interested in, in the way you, uh, when you think of that song, do you think of Prince first or do you think of Sinead first? I do think of Sinead first, just like the Shaka Khan mm-hmm. version. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I obviously, I think of Prince when I hear it, but just because of the association, but I do think she made it more hers. If I'm not mistaken, there's either a B-side or like an outtake that's a very mellow piano version that he does of that song hmm. that's really chill and really cool. Uh, I need yeah. to dig that up. That sounds good. Because, yeah, it, it sounds like it'd be more similar to her version of it, which uh, obviously, like we've all said, she does a great job. So I'd like to hear almost like him covering her covering him, you know? Mm-hmm. Very meta. Uh, yeah, actually, is that, I feel like we've maybe talked about that album before, the Piano and the Microphone album. That was must that have the been one? the one. I must yeah. have heard an outtake from that. That was the live thing, right? Wasn't that the one he did? Yeah. Like, right before he passed, I think he did yeah. one at the Fox Theater here in Atlanta, and that maybe was one that made the cut on the record, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure about that, those details, but for sure, it's the it's like just him, just a mic mm-hmm. and a piano, but that whole album is really hard to listen to because it's so just... Well, it's just Prince mm-hmm. by himself, and yeah, it's really sad. Yeah, sad. Hmm. I, got, I, I, I gotta look. Yeah, this I have one a few up. friends that saw that tour at the Fox, and then that was he literally was kind of whisked away. For, I think he had two gigs, like back to back nights, and the second night didn't happen because he got whisked back to you know what is it called Paisley uh, what the hell Paisley is it Park Paisley Park I was about to say Paisley the Paisley Palace which would have still been pretty, <laughs> Probably, pretty yeah. good but still yeah and then work. he passed away I believe the next day but he, the last show he did was in Atlanta Georgia at the Fox yeah. Theater yeah I'm so mad at myself for not going to that you never know you never know what show will be someone's last show you know and that, and that goes for like all ages too I and mean, there's yeah. way too many you know uh, dead young musicians as well so uh, mm-hmm. yeah I just feel like you have to go to every show ever you know not to mention what will be your last show before like shows become illegal oh my god mm-hmm. what yeah. were y'all yeah. have you guys talked about this because I, no? I, 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 I think this is a very important thing especially now that we're on the cusp of maybe well, I don't know if you guys heard New Zealand yes. back to doing full on festival shows Australia yes. right 
there with them. Um, Man, but I'm you know, jealous. we're we're a ways away. But uh, I'll, I'll start. Mine. I it. was really lucky because I saw my last show twice back to back because I was in New York City I already had tickets to the show here in Atlanta at the Fox and I was in New York and some friends were going to the New York stop of this tour and it was Destroyer um, on on his most recent record which I you know was my favorite one of my favorites of the year so I got to see the same show twice but he changed it up and and in New York it was at this massive venue called Brooklyn Steel um, which is huge never been in a standing room only venue this size and then in Atlanta it was at Terminal West which is you know big for Atlanta standards, but it was like about a third of the size. But right. it was neat to be able to see the show in two completely different environments. And then that was that was it. Every show got canceled the, yes. the day the day after. Yeah, no, I, what, I still have a lot of yeah. wristbands and tickets like stuck up on my fridge that I'll just never be able to go to these shows. <laughs> no. You know, uh, the big one that Tara yeah. and I missed out on. We were really excited to go to the Big Ears Festival up in Knoxville. Like it, 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 it was that. supposed to happen right as mm-hmm. the pandemic kicked in. So. Like I, I remember Tara and I talking. Like it, w- it was in those moments of like, "Hey, we could still go, right? Like, like we could still go. Yeah. Like it's not a big deal, right? Like we could still go." <laughs> and then, it, then it became very clear just like and over then the passing they canceled of canceled it. Yeah, yeah, a couple of days. No yeah. one's gonna go to this. <laughs> well, Seth, yeah. what was the last show you went to before a pandemic ruined everybody's fun? <laughs> um, I can I can pretty much guarantee it was at the Earl because I go to the Earl just perpetually because it's so close to my house. Mm-hmm. It might have been a Faye Webster show, but mm. I feel like I saw something after that. Um, while I'm thinking, here, Tara, you go. Do you, do you know off the top of your head? Yes, and mine was the weekend we, like, stop, they told us that, that we were not going back to work on that Monday. So right. I went out that weekend, and it was to see Algiers at 529. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good last show. March, yeah, it was March 14th or something. Wow. But I was going to say, I was at the Destroyer show at Terminal West. Yeah. So good. It was fabulous. Yeah. yeah. And and, and, uh-huh. and uh, in the New York version, um, do you guys know the Fiery Furnaces? Oh, um, Eleanor Friedberger El- Eleanor. was the opening act. Well, she, no, she wasn't the opening act. She she performed with them and oh. he and like just, just stepped out and like took Dan Behar's place for like four or five songs and he just pieced out and let her sing. And they didn't announce her, but you can't, mi- you can't mistake yeah. that. That voice. Yeah. I mean, like she sounds like nobody else, and that was it was wonderful. Uh, that <laughs> was a really insanely magical night uh, for me because I also like I have kind of a contingent of these like really close New York friends that I have now not seen in a year, and it was just like the best melding of different worlds. And we every all, all we all went to that show, and some of my older friends that happened to be in the city at the same time went, and I will never forget that night. Uh, but God, I really missed live music, you guys. Oh, of course, no. I, I, and um, two interesting things about Eleanor Friedberger and why I figured she was showing up. Well, first of all, Tara and I love the fiery furnaces. I know so. you're yeah. like, do you know the fire? We're like, you're in great do company we here. We, we <laughs> Blueberry boat, man. That is the that is the record for me. In, in this record store, you're in good company. Um, good. But good. Uh, she was opening for them for a long, long time. And then if you go to her Bandcamp page, uh, one of the things she's been doing in quarantine is recording Destroyer covers. So that mm-hmm. makes perfect sense. Oh, there you go. That exactly. she was on stage. Wow doing that yep. performance. That's, she that's, did quite that's really a few cool. off of uh, Destroyer's Rubies. I want to say she mm. did. I think she did European Oils. I can't remember, but it was like whatever they were. It, it also kind of weirdly made sense because she they both have a similarly idiosyncratic voice. Yes. That, doesn't, that doesn't really sound like anybody else kind of, and it, and it weirdly worked. I, I loved it. It was great. 
Fantastic. That's really good stuff. Did you think of yours, uh, Seth, your, your last show? It's the, okay. You the, the go to most, a lot of shows, my man. I, I do. And <laughs> the most recent one I can think of is Faye Webster at the Earl, but there has to be something after that because there was time, you know? <laughs> like, it, 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 basically, if there's the opportunity, I'm going to a show. So uh, that's, the, that's the most recent one I can remember. And it had Jenny O as the opening act, and, and she's nice. great. And that's uh, that, that's it for now. Maybe I'll remember okay. later as we Fair keep talking. <laughs> uh, well, uh, whose whose turn is it to to list? Well, well, actually, I think how, I need how a does coffee. this work? I, I, I need yeah. a coffee break. We've been okay. chitting okay. and chatting. I'm gonna I'm gonna say let's all stop. We'll have a drink. Um, Noel, how about you go next, and you can okay. go through the store and gather up example records so we can play them as we go, you and we'll have it. a grand old time. So uh, yeah, ready and break. I want to get back to being in my community group. I want to continue having a soccer season. So I can throw parties again. <laughs> so I can go to her parties. <laughs> It'd really be nice to dine in instead of getting delivery for a change. So I can feel safe and protected for myself and my students. We each have our own reason for why we're getting vaccinated against COVID-19. What will yours be? Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org for information on the COVID-19 vaccines. It's up to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council. You met the kid, right? I did. He seemed like a killer to you? Cavalry Audio, in association with iHeartRadio, presents the new podcast, Verdict. Do you know what he thought about her? They were fighting about me. What makes you say that? Money, plain and simple. Always is. People who got it don't like people who ain't. The studio responsible for the hit podcast, The Devil Within. I can't lose another son. You want to know if I think he done it? You people need to quit trying to dig up dirt on innocent people. I can't but close my eyes and not see their faces. Comes a gripping new investigative drama series. I pray for him every day. All I do is hope he finds his way home. You are not a killer. Verdict premieres October 19th. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother Jonah. We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today. You might know me from the seven years I spent as a cast member on Saturday Night Live. And since then, I've gone on to star in some of your favorite TV shows and films. And trust me, they're your favorite. Favorite? Okay, Jonah, please be cool. And I'm a longtime music journalist with a fairly niche but very dedicated audience in the punk scene. So, Alt, in our new podcast, How Did We Get Weird? We'll talk about our favorite snacks, shows, and obsessions from growing up with some of our favorite friends, including comedians, musicians, and other A-list celebrities we want to brag that we're friends with. Wow, Vanessa, you're friends with Minnie Driver? Uh, yeah. JK, but she is very cool. We'll have fun and ultimately heartwarming discussions about our formative years and recall some unforgettable memories along the way. Like the time the Jewish Federation called our house during dinner and our dad told them we had converted before hanging up on them. Listen to How Did We Get Weird from Will Ferrell's Big Money Players Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, we're here in the record store. We just got back from a coffee break. Noel, you are about to do your top five cover songs in our countdown list. Uh, kick us off. What's your number five? 
Okay, you know, I I, I think I, I mentioned at the, at earlier uh, how I was struggling because I have a 10 count, and I'm realizing that they're not in the right order by a long shot, and I was originally like, am I just going to go with my 1 through 5, or am I going to go with my 5 through 10? I've decided I'm going to kind of pick them out, like eyeball it, and make a 1 <laughs> through 5 out of this larger list, and I think I know where to start. So my number 5 cover is Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses, as performed by the band Luna. She got a smile, well it seems to me Reminds me of childhood memories where Oh, I, I've never Excellent. heard this. I, I love that song. I it's love that so band. Good. I've never heard this cover. It's so mellow. Oh. It's one of those things where you really, because you think about a band like Guns N' Roses, and mm-hmm. there's so much about swagger and about Axl Rose's like kind of mod, macho, big dick energy bravado. And then when you strip all that away and you realize Sweet Child of Mine is a beautiful fucking song. Yeah. I mean, and, and then when you hear Luna do it in this stripped down kind of velvet undergroundy way, and it, it it takes away all the trappings of kind of this like you know cock rock kind of thing, um, it really like points out, oh my god, that little melody, do dee do do dee do dee do. It's a very clever little melody, and like the the lead vocal is very clever. The lyrics are even pretty pretty charming and moving, and it just has a really good flow to it. And I just uh, I I I'm. A big fan of Luna. Um, I, I'm lucky to sort of have a mutual friendship with the guys in that band. A, a good friend of mine, Matthew Bazell, who's a filmmaker who actually made a documentary about Luna called Tell Me, Do You Miss Me? That's about their kind of final tour before they like broke up, but now they're back together again, like all bands do when they right. say they're breaking up. Um, but he went to college with Sean Eden, who's the guitarist from Luna. And he actually like, we introduced us and we kind of became pals and had a little mini band for a while. We were like sending tracks back and forth via email and Sean would like lay down guitar parts and Sean is the most underrated kind of like fluid like almost Grateful Dead-y lead player because like so few bands these days do guitar solos anymore and Luna they're kind of the masters of the chill guitar solo it's almost surfy but a little like he uses the whammy bar he plays one of those Fender Jaguars and this one totally makes use of that with that amazing little melody and then where in the original it's all slash shred city this gives sean the opportunity to kind of do a little mellow shred you know so big big fan of this uh this cover yeah no that makes a lot of sense and uh and tara i have to mention too uh if you've never heard it noel makes really good music i uh i can't wait for noel to put out more music into the world because anything i've ever heard noel do whether it's real music or just like as a goof that he's something he did in his spare time with his kid. It's always really good. <laughs> like well, I'm going to hold you to helping me put out a little something. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've been kind of, I haven't even, I'm the kind of guy that commiserates over the stuff that I make to the point where I'll just move on and never show it to anybody. And sure. I'm trying to break myself of that. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually focusing on making like an actual body of work that is cohesive enough to put out in one place. So I'm definitely going to do that soon. Um, I, I will be my, be my COVID feet. EP. Yeah, no, everyone's got to have a COVID EP, you know. <laughs> but a lot of them have been really good too, so I'm into yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Well, I appreciate it. Of course. Um, 
Can I can I do my number four, please? Oh wait, I was gonna ask oh, you a yeah. question about um because I love that cover as well. But is it? I couldn't remember. I feel like I've seen it on maybe as a compilation, but it's not on a soundtrack. What? It's, is it? I don't know that it is. I actually don't even know what record it's on. Um, but you can find it on on you know your streaming service of choice. But it's <laughs> definitely a B side type thing. It's not on yeah. any of their main records. It's probably hmm. a B side situation. No, I mean or, I, or yeah, I mean I know it's on one of their 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 studio albums but i for whatever reason my memory is telling me that it's on either like some cool compilation that we all have just mm-hmm. like the carpenters one yep or or a soundtrack but i can't remember so it would be a really smart soundtrack piece because it's evocative where you're like oh you think of this like nostalgic you know guns and roses song but then it's a totally mellow kind of retro uh version of it i could see that playing really well in like a sofia coppola type situation you know hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah yeah all right number four um again i'm just kind of eyeballing this from my 10 <laughs> but i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do landslide by fleetwood mac as performed by the Smashing Pumpkins, a.k.a. Billy Corgan in his, like, apartment at the time, because this is, like, (laughs) off of Pisces Iscariot, which is their, like, kind of throwaway B-sides records, but ends up being a really interesting listen all the way through because it kind of runs the gamut of, like, super demo-y kind of, like, lo-fi sounding stuff and, like, super kind of, you know, when they were, like, kind of still trying to be, like, almost, like, hair metal. It's a very interesting compilation, but this is the first time I ever heard this song, period. And I think it's a good example of Billy Corgan's little vocal kind of not being so hard on sleeve that it makes you want to puke. Like it's, yeah. I, I really like this version. I think it holds up and I actually will still listen to it to this day. No, I, I completely agree. And you're, you're right about his voice. His like, I don't want to call it a goat voice, but it's a little <laughs> bit of a goat voice. And I mean that as a compliment. No, dude, you ever thought about the fact that he kind of sounds like Cartman from South Park? <laughs> I haven't, but I will now. He's bad. Hello, baby. <laughs> you know, I mean, come on, like, it's I, it's it's no, pretty funny. No, that's uh, like a, one time someone pointed out to me how much uh, Joanna Newsom sings like Lisa Simpson, and I couldn't unpicture oh that God. for a while. No, <laughs> like, why would you ruin that for me? I know, I know. No, it's true. But it's um, true. but no, but but you're right. The the voice in particular, I think, suits this song really well because um, the Stevie Nicks voice is a very specific voice. And the Billy Corgan voice is a very specific voice. So it, it does. It, it, it's like a nice little replacement. It's like it's like you take out one puzzle piece and put a different one in its slot. And it, it, it's good. It's comparable in a way, you know? And, and all this is coming from someone who used to be the biggest Smashing Pumpkins fan that ever existed. That was the band that got me into like all the cool, cooler <laughs> stuff that I got into. Because my parents were both opera singers. And so like music was work to them. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, they listened to music, but it was usually because they were studying a score or like listening to a record of like a performance of a choral piece. They didn't listen to popular music like so many people's parents turned them on to like the Beatles or Led Zeppelin. That was not my world at all. It was all just classical all the time. 
time and it was all very much for work so i had to find all this stuff myself and the smashing pumpkins were the band that kind of broke me out of my like new metal kind of cocoon Mm -hmm. but then also like while being comparable to that because they were a heavier band especially like you know with the melancholy stuff um but then their influences turned me on to stuff like because of them and like this guy flood that mixed and 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 worked on a lot of their records i got into my bloody valentine and loveless and because billy corgan was always you know yammering about joy division i got into joy division and new order so if it wasn't because of the smashing pumpkins i wouldn't have found you know i even found out about pavement because billy corgan was in like a beef with (laughs) Stephen Malcolm, you know because he hurt his feelings saying that he was like you know irrelevant or something so i i credit the smashing pumpkins as embarrassing as billy corgan kind of is now uh, as like turning me on to this world of like interesting kind of indie music i'm the same way 100 percent um i actually remember too um, when I bought Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, uh, my parents did not approve of like rock and roll. They thought it was like, you know, um, it was bad for children. You know, it taught them the wrong messages or whatever. So I bought it with my own money at a blockbuster and <laughs> I had to hide it from my parents. And I, I could only listen to it when they weren't in the house. Blockbuster and- music? Um, I think it was just a regular blockbuster store, but they had a little like section at the front with like whatever the, the brand new release CDs huh. were, were. Yeah. You do remember there was a brief time where there was blockbuster music. That was a I, I separate do. store. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that, that strange times we grew up in all, really? all us, uh, really? all us in this generation, mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, but I, I completely agree with everything you said. And this cover is an epic cover. It, it just, it, it, it sounds right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think so too. All right. Uh, Shall I move on? If you're ready for it, we're ready for it. All right. I'm ready. So that would have been number two. uh, I'm sorry, uh, four. This is number three. I'm going to go with a, a kind of obvious one, but it's I think it's really important because this is another example of like, this is the first time I heard this artist. Uh, the Man Who Sold the World mm. uh, by David Bowie as performed by Nirvana on the MTV Unplugged uh, performance. We never lost control I'm not a huge Nirvana head. Like I like what I like from them. And and I definitely was really into Nevermind and stuff, but I never crossed over into that like super fandom that so many people do for good reason. But this song, it just grabs you. It's such a haunting, weird song. And the way Kurt Cobain and, and this, you know, his, the, the weird little hybrid Nirvana plus some group that he has assembled with cello, I think that's got a little distortion on it. And, you know, I love that they did the unplugged thing, but they also like clearly his guitar was plugged into some effects, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> like, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Unplugged, plugged in. But um, yeah, man, it's just like it's such a haunting, weird song. And it's ultimately a, a real deep cut Bowie song. Yeah. And and that record is a deep cut Bowie record. If it wasn't for this song i wouldn't have gotten to that and then that's you know one of my favorite uh bowie records um so yeah i, I mean I, I stand by this one uh pretty 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 strongly oh for sure and, and yeah tara and i have talked about it before but man oh man just what a performance like like that mtv special just like as like a concert film was just it was just perfection like mm-hmm. it, it, i think it really spoiled me as a kid because i expected concerts to be that good you know mm-hmm. and sometimes they are and sometimes they aren't but like that, that was a very high bar to set to to a young kid uh, th- that i was at the time just being like oh man concerts are great i can't wait to go to more concerts you know 
It's true. Yeah. It's true. I, I feel like uh, kind of what you mentioned, you know, that's such a deep cut. I didn't know. I learned that that was a David Bowie song because of Nirvana. So he yeah, says it. I, he, yeah. he doesn't. Yeah. He says it like that was a David Bowie song. He says it so nonchalantly. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm glad like he taught. Yeah. It was like, you know, it's one of those today I learned situations. Well, because I mean, I mean, I'm not going to lie. The first place I knew David Bowie was from Labyrinth. Mm. I didn't even know <laughs> yeah, he was like cool. Like, yeah. and, and then he later in life, like really probably in my late teens, early 20s, he became like an obsession. Like, because he's such a broad career that goes all over the place and it's like been mimicked in so many different ways that like it takes a minute it's it's almost like daunting to get into david bowie from scratch you have to like really know like have a good entry point but oh sure uh, that, that was a good entry point you know for me well and especially for all three of us um all three of us were born in the 80s Mm-hmm. The 80s were Bowie's hardest era to get into. I mean, between like what? Tim Machine and Never no. Let Me Down. Oh, come on. You, you you're can't, crazy. Well, you, you're telling I me, highly disagree with that. You tell me what 80s Bowie is the is the great Bowie. Well, Scary Monsters was in the 80s. I completely I mean, agree. But that is when he got good again. I, I, I guess what I'm talking about is very specifically, there's this little divot around 1985 where it's like Never Let Me Down and both Tin Machine albums. That to me is the very very bottom of his career and that's when that's when we were initially around as little kids and it wasn't until labyrinth i agree that was my first bowie it was labyrinth because i was a child that was a children's film that came out when i was a child but and, bro bro let's mm-hmm. dance came out in 1983 yeah. man i mean <sighs> like, get love. me to the church come on dude these are I, bangers i agree that, bangers. that young americans <laughs> is really good i guess what i'm saying is to me the the best bowie is of course 70s bowie I mean, oh I, I i'm not i i actually you know what I actually don't even think I necessarily agree with you. To me, the the <laughs> best, my favorite Bowie is 79 mm-hmm. forward. Cause I really like all the Eno records. Like I really like Lodger and, uh, and scary Mon. Well, he didn't do scary. Mon- it was Lodger low, low. Yeah. Um, and, uh, heroes. And I think that's I, it. I can't um, disagree with you. Those are great. But the, to me, yeah. those are, that's 79 forward. Mm-hmm. And like, those are fabulous. And then like scary monsters is incredible and very Agreed. singular. You're, right though about never let me down and maybe a few other little missteps with tin machine but i think i don't know man i don't know that there's a bowie record that i can't find something to love on i completely agree with that completely agree with that but uh i like the 90s stuff he did with trent reznor i like earthling and fucking heart's filthy lesson and all that stuff stuff. the latter day stuff like heathen and reality those are solid too no no all i'm saying is that if david bowie has a nader it occurred around 1985. You're That's probably right. Saying. It was yeah. literally on a chart, though, my friend. It was like a little divot, and then <laughs> yes. it was back up. You know, um, I, I think uh, uh, Black Star is is maybe one of his best records. Period. I, I just there's something really magical about it, and especially when you know what he knew when he was making it and putting it out, and the, how literal the lyrics are about him like literally dying. Uh, I think that's just like the, an example of somebody owning their own story in a way that no, that very few people and artists can. You know, so I don't know. Hats off to you, and you know we're we're. By the way, if I can plug really quickly, uh, my uh, you know obviously Seth, we make podcasts together. Um, my team uh, just came out with. 
with a David Bowie biopod series called Off the Record David Bowie, um, mm. where Jordan Runtog, who's a really great writer, um, and Tristan McNeil, who is a fabulous composer and uh, sound designer, we made this like you know kind of era by era David Bowie you know biography series, and I hope everyone will check it out because I here, think here, it's, give I'm me all the details. Like like, like when when does it launch? All that stuff. What, what oh, it's out. Like, like episode one is live. It's going to be a, a, a Monday new episode drop. And then every Wednesday as well, there's a bonus episode. So like you might like on, on Monday, we launched the first episode that's about his kind of schoolyard days. And like a lot of people think that he, his, his weird color eye was either genetic or he like got shot in the eye with a firecracker or something. But it, it's actually because he got into a fight with a uh, another schoolboy who they were like, you know, going after the same girl. And we tell that story in the podcast. But then the interview in the bonus episode is with that guy that punched David Bowie in the eye <laughs> wow. when they were little kids. And then they became best of friends. So uh, Jordan finds he has incredible connections and in, in music and uh, from writing for Rolling Stone and, and different magazines. And he kind of finds these people that are part of these stories and then speaks directly to them. No, I, I love it. And, and once, once again, what's the name of the show? It's called Off the Record, David Bowie. And it's going to be an ongoing series where every season we're going to do a different artist. But we wanted to launch it you know, in January with David Bowie because obviously his birth and death month is uh, January. Love it. Love it. Love it. Let's see. So that was number three. I'm down to two. Oof. This is going to be tough. <laughs> For number two, I am going to go with... Mm, I am going to go with... Girls Just Want to Have Fun, uh, the Cindy Lauper song, as interpreted by the band Chromatics. And I don't know how into chromatics you are. Like I'm Johnny very Jewel. into chromatics and I've yeah. never heard this. Well, um, they, I don't, do you know, they do a ton of covers. They have no. like probably seven or eight. They do, they do out they, of the blue and into the black by Neil Young. They do. The, I'm yes. on fire by uh, Bruce Springsteen running they, up the hill. running up that hill by Kate Bush. Um, and then did they do Ico Ico also, which is another. I, Cindy that one. would be hilarious. I do not know that, <laughs> but I, I wouldn't put it past them. They definitely wonder, do a lot. I can't I always get them mixed up if it's, I, if they did it or if Glass Candy did it. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Disco, yeah. Totally. Yeah, no, it's all that good. Uh, Italians do it better stuff. But yeah, yeah, it's just like, I don't know, like it, it, girls just want to have fun. It's such a fun song already, but it's kind of kitschy and campy and you've heard it a gazillion times and you'd think like, do I really ever want to hear somebody cover this? But then you hear them do it and you're like, oh, it, it, it recontextualizes. It does a thing where it 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 like plays a really long opening vamp, where you kind of get the sense of what it is, and then when she starts to sing, you're like, you feel like really cool for for kind of already having known that it was that song, and um, something about it has just got some magic to it that I really like, and um, I'm kind of going out on a limb by putting that as my number two. That might not be entirely accurate, but I'm into <laughs> it right now in a pretty yeah. big way. So. No, no, I mean, I mean that's. That's these lists. These are, you know, uh, uh, subjective, not permanent. Not mm-hmm. permanent. Yeah. It's just what you're vibing on right now. So I shouldn't be etching these into my arm, like as I'm as I'm calling them out. With I, a... I guess you can just leave room. You know, okay. you have to leave, leave some room. room to put some. I'm like the memento there. guy of, of lists. That would be a funny bit, actually. A memento guy, but only with like top ten lists. Yeah. For, for music stuff. Um, yeah, but I don't know. It's, it's, I it's a good one. I, I I highly recommend it, and and there are other covers as well. Um, okay, this is going to be really hard, but I think I'm going to go with my gut. Um, my number one cover 
is another example of a cover that barely you could even consider a cover because the original just pales in comparison to this one. And it is uh, Without You by Badfinger as performed by Harry Nilsson. I can't live if living is without you. And the reason I say it, it's like it's it pales in comparison is because the original by Badfinger, which is a band that I'm not super familiar with, but they're like a 70s kind of, you know, rock type band. Um, they do this song and they clearly wrote it. But when you hear their version of it, you're like, do you even care about this song? <laughs> like, do you care? Do you know what you have on your hands? Because they're like, I can live. If living is without you, it's like the most throwaway, like just non, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it makes me sad. And then you have Harry Nilsson, who's just turning in one of the beltiest belts of all rock vocals. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and it's just, you can feel it. You can feel every note. You can feel the sadness and you can feel the longing. And there's even a version he does that's in uh, Spanish, um, like a completely Spanish language version. And you can still feel it. Like he did it again. <laughs> he did it again in Spanish. And it's like, wow, I can't believe you like turned in that same, like insane performance and did it in Spanish just for the, you know, the, the, the Latino market. Uh, very impressive. This is another song we've talked about. This is a song that makes me incredibly sad. It's just such a gut-wrenching love song. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen to the Badfinger Mariah- version. It'll make you and- mad how like how boring it is. And Mariah Carey's version of it is a really great cover oh, as well. I've heard about that. I actually heard yeah. about that for the first time today. I was not aware of that, um, but I looked. I was looking at this one up and uh, to make sure I had all my facts straight. And yeah, I, I would love to hear that. God, what a range! Yeah, how did you not yeah. know about that? And Seth didn't know about that. But this is like on the charts. Mariah Carey song. <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea. But but one thing you said, which is that kind of like, impressive. You said like Harry Nielsen cares. I think that is like underlined. Like I think just with like everything he he's ever done, and just like the quality, the content, the creativity, the selflessness. Like how many great Harry Nielsen songs has he just kind of like given away to other musicians too? Oh, and totally. Like, he he's 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 a wonder. And the, and the irony is that I think his two biggest hits were other people's songs. Yeah. Everybody's talking at me or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. That's not his song. Right. Right. Oh, one yeah. of my favorites of his that never, never gets much credit uh, just cause it's, it's kind of a throwaway song is um, he wrote this song called cuddly toy for the monkeys. Damn it. It's so good. It's just, it's just one of the, it's, it's, I don't think they even released it as a single. It was just another song on another one of their albums. But um, fuck, Harry Nielsen, man. The Point? You guys ever seen The Point? No, but I have yeah. the vinyl. I have the uh, soundtrack on vinyl, but I've never seen the, the film. It's it's good stuff. It's made by um, uh, Fred Wolf, I think his name is. He's the same guy that animated that. How many licks to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll pop? Of course. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's that same guy. And it just has that like thick 70s vibe. It's... It's good. But anyway, Harry Nielsen, I, I can't fault you on that. That's, that's that's number one with a bullet, man. Yeah, I had to do it. I've got some honorable mentions for later, but I, th- I feel pretty good about that list. Nice. Solid mm-hmm. list. And, and, and so far, no overlap. That's that's two, two uh, completely yeah. independent lists. All right. Well, I have to go gather up my records, but uh, I'll go get mine. We'll come back and we'll finish this off and then we'll uh, close up the store after that. Let's go. Let's go. 
The NFL created Crucial Catch because early cancer detection can save lives. At the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, some cancer screenings declined by 90%. Now, doctors are diagnosing later stage cancers, which could have been detected sooner. Don't wait. Remind a loved one and talk to your doctor about getting screened. It takes all of us to intercept cancer. Visit nfl.com slash crucial catch to learn more. Hey, everybody. I'm Colleen Wolf from Thursday Night Football and Good Morning Football Weekend. And I'm Ricky Hollywood from around the NFL and the broadcast. On our new podcast, Split Ends, Ricky and I will be coming to you every week to talk about all the important and unimportant storylines in the football world. Join us every week for the stories on and off the field that matter. And some don't, but we think they're interesting. So we're going to talk about them anyway. And we'll find out where in the world is the wolf. Yep, I live out of a suitcase and I'll be sharing stories from football cities across America. We'll break down games, news stories, tweets, interviews, TikToks, conspiracy theories, whatever it takes to cover the ins and outs of the NFL world. Whether the big story is a coaching change or a stadium plumbing issue, we're here to talk you through it. Just a couple of best friends talking ball. Yep, and we'll drag some of our other friends to join us too. NFL media members, players, your mom, you name it. Listen to Split Ends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Couric here to tell you why I'm excited about the new season of my podcast, Next Question. My memoir, Going There, comes out October 26th. Yikes! So this fall, I'm taking you behind the making of my memoir. We'll have exclusive podcast-only conversations about the book and my life that you won't find anywhere else. So come for my signature curiosity, but this time, stay for some of my own revealing answers. Subscribe and listen to Next Question with Katie Couric on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we're all back. We're sitting down. We're playing the top five covers high fidelity game. And it's my turn. So uh, I'll just kick it off real quick. Here we go. Number five, the song Walking the Cow by Daniel Johnston, covered by TV on the radio from the 2004 compilation, The Late Great Daniel Johnston Discovered Covered. That's no, cool. I, I never, I, I've never taken the Daniel Johnston dive. Well, here's a great thing about Daniel Johnston covers. Daniel Johnston has a really big stumbling block or speed bump for a lot of people, which is that he is incredibly lo-fi. So most of his early stuff is just riddled with hiss, yeah. riddled with, you know, terrible production values. And then he also has a very, I'm going to say obtuse voice. Um, personally, I, I dig lo-fi stuff and yeah, I, I, no, I like specific voices. So, so that I, I'm cool with that stuff. But for a lot of people out there in the world, that, that's a, it's a problem for them. And in fact, I actually link it a lot to Leonard Cohen, like we were talking about earlier, where I think Leonard Cohen covers are easier to get into than the actual originals in many cases. And I think Daniel Johnston's the same way because he has such a, a stripped down lo-fi vibe. 
having others cover him where they can kind of fill in those gaps and punch up that production and put a different voice on it, a different spin on it can really get you in some really deep places. And this well, this compilation in particular, um, the late, great Daniel Johnston, uh, Discovered, Covered, is a really great starter place. There's there's tons of amazing stuff on there. Who, who covers True Love Will Find You in the End? Because that's one that I uh, know and, and adore. Oh, um, get, get ready for some happy news then, because Beck covers it on I there. I thought it might have been Beck. I knew yes. he had covered it. But yes. That's, <laughs> what a good song. That's a yeah. great example of what I was talking about earlier where like you know when you have songs that are wrapped up in a certain thing like a vibe Mm -hmm. it's sometimes hard to just like drill into like oh this is actually a wonderful song because it's either maybe wrapped up in a scene or a genre or a recording technique or like it's trying to so like a good example would be uh, a band like The Knife that has a song called I'm sorry I'm I'm derailing us a little bit has a song called Heartbeats that's very much an electro kind of dance you know dance floor type number but when you hear it covered by like Jose Gonzalez it strips all that away and you realize oh this is a song and right. it's got a it's got like a like a central kind of focus the lyrics and everything it's not wrapped up on all this pastiche of like big glitzy dance music you know so it's mm-hmm. it's yeah I think that's a really good point and I think Daniel Johnson's almost like the the reverse side of that yeah where it's like so stripped down that you almost don't realize how good it is until you maybe take someone takes it and puts a few of those layers back on Absolutely. No, and from what you just said, that actually reminds me of a song that didn't make my list, but I definitely thought about, which was uh, Grizzly Bear covering Hot Chip. And yeah, turning that hot chip song, mm-hmm. electronic, danceable, into like this like folkier, more acoustic vibe. And oh man, just so good. Uh, anyway, anyway, that's we're, we're not talking about that right now. We're talking no, about no, no. other yeah. things. Uh, y'all ready for my number four? Yes. Mm-hmm. All right, number four. This one is uh, pretty wild, but it really, really hooked me in many ways. The song is Skulls by the Misfits, covered by Black Black from their 2006 self-titled album. Uh, first of all, Black Black. Um, I love Black Black so, so much. Black Black is uh, three people. So um, Kevin Haskins from Bauhaus. Uh, he was the drummer for Bauhaus. He had two daughters, uh, Diva Dompe and Lola Dompe. Diva Dompe was dating one of the guys from Phantom Planet. And so the three of them were in a band uh, in Los Angeles at the same time when I was living there. And they were just like, a band that was around a lot. You know what I mean? Like um, when I was younger, uh, my first job out of uh, college, I worked as a wholesaler at the American Apparel uh, uh, headquarters. And if we were doing like um, a parking lot sale, Black Black would come play. You know what I mean? Uh, The first time I ever saw them, they were opening for Deerhoof on the Milkman tour. And love that record. A hundred percent. And I've always just dug their vibe in, in, in every little bit. And so when I tracked down this album, this album was so hard for me to get. I had to um, order it from Japan on uh, Amazon.jp back in the day. And it was a complete mystery to me. It cost me way too much money. Now you can, I think, pay nothing for it on Bandcamp. But um, Tara, you'll, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about when I say this. Uh the uh, group that sponsored and put out uh, Black Black's one and only album is X Girl. Yeah, cool. Isn't that weird? And this is this is post Q 
Kim Gordon selling her old clothing brand, yeah. X-Girl. She mm. sold it to a Japanese company, and that Japanese company released this album. Um, I'm, cool. sh- I'm sure all kinds of wild things have happened since then. But anyway, uh, let's see. Um, all Everyone from this group has gone on to do other great things. Diva Dompe, uh, she had a great solo career as Diva. Then she did a bunch of like um, meditational stuff as Yalmelic Frequencies. And now she's got a new group, I believe, called Diva and the Pearly Gates, but they haven't put anything out yet. And then um, the other sister, Lola Dompe, she has this amazing band called Automatic, which I love, love, love. And I keep trying to get Tara into it because I think it's right up her alley. (laughs) And that's my number four. Oh, oh, I didn't even mention The Misfits. Because of this song, it actually (laughs) got me into The Misfits because I didn't know this was a cover at first. And as soon as I realized it was, I'm like, oh, whose cover is this? And they're like, Misfits. I'm like, oh, that t-shirt, <laughs> you know? Wait, so <laughs> which then, which song was it again? Skulls. Of the Misfits? Skulls, okay. Yes. <laughs> Skulls. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and yeah, it, it made me track down uh, the, it was off the debut uh, Misfits album, the first one. And cool. um, yeah, it made, it made me get into the Misfits. Me liking Black Black got me into the Misfits. So good times, you know? Cool. Number three. Uh, we've ready. mentioned this artist, but uh, now they are the coveree, no longer the coverer. Number three, Lithium by Nirvana, covered by the Polyphonic Spree from their 2006 EP, Waits. Have either of you heard this one before? I haven't. No. I, I'm, I'm only a little bit familiar with the polyphonic spree. I mean, the big thing with I the I only poly- know there's like a ton of them. Yep. Yes. <laughs> and wait, wasn't the guy that's the singer of the polyphonic spree in that band Trippin' Daisy? Yes. That had like, oh, I got a girl. Yes. And then he he went on to, and they're an Austin thing. Like, I know I know all. And also, St. Vincent was once in the polyphonic spree. 100%. Yes. I guess I know I guess I know a little bit about the polyphonic spree. <laughs> I had no idea either of those facts. And I definitely yeah. had that Tripping Daisy CD when I was a teenager. Oh, that's with the cool. weird Maybe guy on the cover. Like he's yeah. like painted blue or something. Yeah, I had that yeah. too. Yep. <laughs> Like red, actually, with the blue You're background. Dead right. Yep. So yeah, three <laughs> members from the Tripping Daisies basically created the Polyphonic Spree, and then they became, you know, of course, like a 15, 20, who knows how many member band. But um, the the lead singer, um, Tim DeLauder, I want to say, is his name. Yeah, that's um, right. He uh, is the lead singer of both. So here's the weird thing: this EP they put out called the Wait EP. Basically, they they uh, did a couple of originals and uh, three covers. Uh, one of them is the psychedelic Furs "Love My Way," which Love come on that song. That song mm-hmm. is so good. Uh, another one, they're actually cover a Tripping Daisies song, which is just kind of funny that the Polyphonic it Spree is, is covering their old band. Uh, and the other one is "Lithium" by Nirvana, and uh, I, I, "Lithium" is just a great song. As a kid, it was one of those songs that, like, I felt like I discovered because, and obviously, I didn't. You know, <laughs> Nirvana's "Nevermind" has sold millions and millions and millions of copies, but because it wasn't a single, and because I was just a dumb little kid, I was like, "Oh, check out this like deep cut." <laughs> you know, no one's ever heard this song, "Lithium." I'm mm. so cool, <laughs> and it really, you know, ingrained itself in me just from that childhood. In enamorment and then when i heard their version the polyphonic spray version is so big so bombastic it's i mean it's obviously it's got a whole choir behind it it's got a whole orchestra it's got strings it's got harps it's got violins it's got fucking horns it's it's epic and it's just it's celebrational and it it, it feels like a completely different piece but nothing has changed melodically so it's it's just a wonderful cover like in every sense of a cover it gives me everything i want so good stuff 
Did you guys see that Nirvana documentary? I think it's called something of heck. Montage, Montage of heck. Of heck. Right. Yeah. And, and, it, and it has these like kind of like little toy piano Beach Boysy kind of like reimaginings of all these Nirvana songs mm-hmm. that again are all trapped in this like big bombastic guitar world and when you strip all that shit away and you only have a little music box then you realize oh the melodies in lithium are really gorgeous and thoughtful and and it's something that you don't always think of right away because it's all wrapped up in this feedbacky wall of sound kind of angst party you know I think that's something a lot of musicians don't yeah. realize when they're starting bands and writing music for the first time is they're like, oh, Nirvana's loud. That's what they're known for. And it's like, no. that's like that's like the salt on top of the fried right. chicken. There's so much more you got to do <laughs> to get to that point. You know, like it's there's 11 herbs and spices in there. there there's that delicious crispy <laughs> skin. You know, there's a, a bird had to die. You know, you, you, like, you say this as a like, vegan, bro. Know, exactly. Oh my <laughs> God. You're making me so hungry for chicken right now. I know. I was like, how are you doing this? You're a vegan. Well, how about those, um, those uh, uh, chicken fried uh, tofu cubes from the Whole Foods yeah, hot bar? It's not bar? the same, bro. I hate to tell you. Those <laughs> I, are I, I so good. Those. those are good. Those are the buffalo one. Too. Uh, this this yes. happens with my wife a lot where I'll be like, oh my gosh, try this fake cheese. It's so good and she's like nah i'm like no no try she's like i know you think this is good it's not because <laughs> my my tastes have been altered by my years of veganism oh, is she not vegan no no, no no my, my wife eats meat and cheese okay. and all that wow. good stuff oh my god this is a revelation how yeah. do you guys keep it uh keep it interesting how do you guys get along and make sure <laughs> meals are accessible for both parties usually if we're making something like let's say like we're making quesadillas you know mm-hmm. I will use fake cheese. She will use real cheese. Hers will taste a lot better and I'll insist mine's good and she won't Seth, believe me. <laughs> this makes me love you so much more. I, I always assume that you have to be like, there's no way there one part, one part of a relationship could be vegan and the other could be not. So you've really opened my eyes here and I'm, I, I appreciate that. Oh, happy to do it. <laughs> oh, where, where are we at with you? Are you number three now? That was my number three was lithium okay. uh, by Polyphonic right. Spree. Number two, right. this is one I thought, well, actually first I'll say, Tara, this is where Superstar by Sonic Youth would have been, but oh. I knew you were going to say it, and you I would. wanted to have completely separate lists. So, so 100% I, why I didn't put Bjork in mine. That is oh. so funny. We were both like, yeah. he's going to use this. I know it. It's like, we'll already have an opportunity <laughs> to talk about it. We don't need to. This That's is the one so that, funny. I was afraid you were going to say this one instead. So this is why my Superstar was like ready to swap out for this one. Okay. <laughs> my number two. Across the Universe by the Beatles, covered by Fiona Apple from the 1998 soundtrack, Pleasantville. It's very, very good. It's such a good cover. Fun to play on guitar, too. Oh, nice, nice. (laughs) But like her, her voice just fits it perfectly and and a funny thing i mean i don't know how true this is because john lennon has has the um reputation of being you know kind of like a curmudgeon and like a a guy that will like kind of troll people for fun you know sure he said um in a couple of interviews that he never successfully um uh recorded a, a good version of across the universe because of paul he said that like you know whenever they were in like the studio 
that his songs would get this like quick slapdash kind of like rough and ready kind of style applied to it. Oh, that makes sense. And, and Paul's Paul, had to be like the pristine, polished. you know, like, yeah, exactly. And yeah. and so he thought that Across the Universe demanded like a really pristine, you know, nice polishing, get it really lush and beautiful. And Paul just wasn't into it. He was like, oh, this is this is a this is a John Lennon song. We can just kick this one out real quick. No big deal. You know, isn't that funny, though, how you can get a reputation for that and like you know, that's, you're, that's literally what people say. People say John's songs are the ones that are more like, you know, Raw. screechy or like pure rock and roll or whatever. But John didn't feel that. He didn't necessarily feel that way. Yeah. Maybe yeah. he was given like short shrift. Maybe he kind of felt like he was getting shoved aside because Paul was so extra and demanding. Yes. <laughs> you know? and, and obviously I disagree. I think, I think the Beatles version of this is wonderful, especially the version um, that's on Beatles anthology too. I love that version more than anything. But I like to think that if John Lennon heard this version, he would go, hey, look, someone finally made a good version of this song, you know, because mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the production, the little bleeps and bloops they put in the background, the the restrained yet classy use of instruments, like it's all good. Like, the, like they really hit the nail on the head when oh, yeah. wh- whoever all was involved with this, it was the perfect combination of elements. And of course, Fiona Apple and her perfect voice front and center with yeah. like this mm-hmm. lethargic yep. Kind of like emotional punch. Perfect. Surely John Bryan had a hand in that as well. It seems like he was all over her stuff. Yeah, in beginning. that era. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would have to assume John Bryan was in that room. I, I mean, that's just the thing. Say it. Say oh, it. Fuck you, John Bryan. I love you, John Bryan. <laughs> Does it have harmonium on it? That it was exactly. John Bryan had something to do with that shit. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe that somehow the. Uh, the catchphrase of our record store has become "fuck you, John Bryan." I love you, John Bryan. Oh, he's, <laughs> wait, explain this to me again. I'm a noob to this. No, no, no. Store. It's it's basically whenever I bring up um, how great John Bryan is as a producer, because I love him to death. He is a hero I of mine. Too. Uh, back yeah. when I lived in Los Angeles, he played a local venue there, the Largo. I know uh, every I, Friday. I, I, I've wanted to go every time I've been, but it hasn't been happening that particular week. And now you know COVID and all. Yes. But yeah. No, I, I know a couple people that have gone. And oh yeah. Can you can you, can you set set out what? it's like to see this oh absolutely so um myself my (laughs) wife and my pal scott we would go as often as possible which was pretty fucking often and um basically you go there and john bryan doesn't really have any ideas of what he's going to do he just kind of makes it up as he goes so he'll come out and he'll play maybe one or two songs that are in his mind and then he'll just kind of look at his giant stage full of instruments he's got a piano set up and a couple of xylophones and like many many guitars and a drum set and like like loopers and stuff doesn't he have like loop pedals and shit and he'll just like make a thing and then start move on to another instrument but here's the wild part he just he just stares at them all for a while and if no idea comes to him he just kind of with his hand over his face just goes requests and then the whole audience they've been waiting for this the whole audience just starts yelling all the wildest fucking shit that they could possibly imagine he waits for something to kind of give him a little bit of inspiration and then he just fucking does it he just makes it up live right there in front of you and yeah with loop stations uh he he actually later on in his career he started doing these things where he um was getting like these video loops that he was working into them as well and he was like projecting them on screens in the background and like andrew bird would come join him 
on stage and if you want oh, to apple fuck it, you, come John Bryan. Stage. Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love you, John Bryan. But but that's but so I love him more than anything. So whenever he produces something, I automatically give him way 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 too much credit. Like I always just think of like, oh, you know that new Mac Miller? Oh, that's just a new John Bryan album. Oh, you you know that of Montreal <laughs> album? Oh, that's just a John Bryan album. Like I I want to give him all the credit. So I just have to remind myself to say fuck you, John Bryan. So people like Fiona Apple can actually get credit for being geniuses too. You know? That's fair. Yeah. Have you heard his uh, his early band Jellyfish? Y- yes, yes. I have I both mean, those I albums. I, yeah. I haven't heard it in a long time, but I remember like thinking it was very interesting. But is it good? Like it, it's it's really glam. Yeah. And kind of Mister Bungley almost in a way. But like, how would you describe? It? I haven't heard it in a long time, but I'd like to revisit some of that stuff. It's definitely good. It, it, if if anyone can remember in their minds back in the early nineties. When this like 60s vibe was really prominent, mm-hmm. it, like kind of basically think about like when they made the Brady Bunch movie in the 90s, where like they sure. were really sure. cashing in on that 60s nostalgia in the 90s. Yeah. That's the vibe is the 90s cashing in on 60s nostalgia. And I enjoy it. And, and like you said, it's interesting and it's good but I don't listen to it often. That, that's what I can say. Do you know the band Dukes of Stratosphere? No, um, I don't. What's that? So that's that's Andy Partridge from XTC uh-huh. uh, doing a exactly what you're describing, like a like a '90s kind of psychedelic pastiche sort of joke band, hmm. and they have two records, and they're fantastic. Nice. They, 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 they're very much like what you're. Just, Described like it's sort of like cashing in on that, but also like he just kind of clearly did it like as a joke. But they're good albums, right? But like they're meant to be like not XTC or not Andy Partridge. It's the Dukes of Stratosphere, um, and even the art is super psychedelic and like very kind of tongue in cheek. If I'm actually quite surprised you haven't heard this, and I recommend you go out and uh, go, you know what, go dig through the crates after we we finish talking and, uh, and and bring that one home and put it on. I, I absolutely will. This sounds good. And uh, and speaking of number one, uh, we weren't, but you know, <laughs> are you guys ready to hear my number one? I was, I was thinking about so it. ready. Number one, um, I insist if anyone here in this store can hear my voice and they've never heard this song, that they go out and listen to it immediately. It's just one of my favorite songs, period. But it also is a cover song, so it's one of my favorite cover songs. Number one, "Too Little, Too Late" by JoJo covered by Department of Eagles, and this was on the B-side to the 2008 single, No One Does It Like You. I love Department of Eagles. That's the dude from Grizzly Bear. Yes. That kind of plays the really cool guitar parts. And he's like, he, he sings lead on some. What's yeah, yeah. Dan- Daniel something. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, um, um, oh, gosh. Why am I? Rossin? Daniel Rawson. Yes. Rawson. I love him. Uh, yes. And I love that record. And I love the video for that song, Nobody Does It Like You, where it's got like so dancing good. ghosts and like women with like, like they're like uh, kind of wearing period kind of Soviet outfits. And, yeah. And like lockstep kind of like, <laughs> Like can can dance. I don't know. We're not talking about that song. This is a B side, and I'm not familiar with the cover uh, with the original version of this at all. So tell me about. Is this JoJo like Casey and JoJo? No, no, no. JoJo, as in okay. a very shortly popular. No offense to whoever this person is. All I know is that she was like a pop singer for like one second. And she released like yeah. one single. And this was like in the era of like Mandy Moore candy. The Cheetah Girls. Yeah. Wasn't she in the Cheetah Girls? <laughs> she might something? have been in the Cheetah Girls. I don't know. Um, but but she was she 
she was a pop singer for like one second. Like she was barely in in like the pop culture. It was like pop R&B kind of. Yes. Yeah. She was really good. And, and yeah, so she barely existed. She was there for like a minute and gone. Uh, she became an actor. Like I think she was in that movie RV with Robin Williams as like his daughter. <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, back in the day, uh, Daniel Rawson from Grizzly Bear, he used to do this thing all the time where he, if it was like your birthday, he would like record one of your favorite songs for you and give it to you as like a gift. And so it was Ed Drost from Grizzly Bear's birthday. And he loved this old pop song from like the early 2000s, late 90s. And Daniel Rawson is like, what? All right, I'll look into it. And he like realized how good of like a fucking structure it has and what he could do it uh, with his uh, music partner, Fred Nicholas from uh, Department of Eagles. And um, they recorded this absolutely astonishingly good cover. And it's so good that you will never think about the original. I've listened to this version 5,000 times and I've listened to the original maybe twice just out of curiosity to see where it came from. But um, yeah, one of my favorite songs of all time, period, uh, Too Little Too Late by JoJo, covered by Department of Eagles. And everyone should go check it out. They can hear my voice. It's the best, best, best. <laughs> I am beyond intrigued. You really saved the best for last. Uh, I, I love Department of Eagles, and I've never heard this, and I've never heard of JoJo. Uh, I'm also really into kind of like weird Disney it girl, flash in the pan <laughs> kind of like, you know, put together groups or whatever. Right, right. Um, so this is like right up my alley. Yeah, I was wrong. I was thinking of Adrian Bailon. She was not in the Cheetah Girls, JoJo. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. But, but same... Right. Yeah, vibe that go on get out song. Go on get out. That song. That's her, right? I think that's JoJo. It could have been. I don't know. I I, I honestly don't know nearly enough about yeah. JoJo. I only know about JoJo because I love this cover of a JoJo song. Yeah, yeah. You know, when I said Casey and JoJo, do you know what I was talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the like R and B duo <laughs> from like the nineties. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Like how come they, they never existed independently? They no. were only ever Casey and JoJo, right? Yeah, Did they not. I don't know. I, 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 I definitely I, not, not on my radar. So not I never, on my radar. I never paid. A, I stopped paying attention after third grade whenever that came out <laughs> sixth grade uh well, well hey tara um i know you've got some songs you weren't yes. able to talk about tell us about your short list okay um i was really bummed that i couldn't put this one on my list because there was no room for it but maxwell's cover of kate bush's song this woman's work yeah is such an epic song it's yeah. so beautiful um Bjork covering Betty Hutton for It's Oh So Quiet. Bjork covering Chet Baker like someone in love. I kept those off because I thought you might put them on yours. Also, yeah. can we just note that I thought that you would also put that Sade cover from Scott Pilgrim soundtrack on your list too. Oh, wait, wait till I get to my short list. I'll tell oh, you something. <laughs> okay. Um, Fuji's cover of Roberta Flack song, Killing Me Softly. Right. Kathy Dennis covering Fonda Ray, Touch Me. That song was amazing. Quick, quick uh, question, quick question. Would, yeah. Would, wouldn't the Killing Me Softly almost fall into the category of interpolation rather than a cover? Because it's yeah. sort of like sampling and then there's like hip hop verses and like it definitely has a lot of the lyrics, but not all of them. So I'm like, I, I think that's Does, a gray area, but it's an interesting. I think it's a cover, okay. but it, it has like ads. It's like a cover plus. 
plus. Got we'll it. cover plus. Got it. Yeah. In that same regard, uh, you know the Tom Tom Club song "Genius of Love," uh-huh. right? And yes. then fantasy. Yeah. So, Mariah so Carey. Does that mean yeah. fantasy is a cover plus of Tom Tom Club, or is there not enough Tom Tom Club in there? I would still I think refer to that as an interpolation, where it's like yeah. a sample, and then it's like you know the fantasy part of the song is the song, and then the "I'm in Heaven with My Boyfriend" is just mm-hmm. sort of the bridge, you know, it, or like yeah, the little sure. midsection parts. Yeah. This is a fun conversation. Yeah. I'm two enjoying more, this. Two, <laughs> two more, two more. I'd like to shout out for my uh, shortlist. That is Saint Etienne's cover of Neil Young's song "Only Love Can Break Your Heart," and uh, Mark Ronson, Amy Winehouse, Valerie. Yes, that's the which one. Is the no, that, 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 that barely missed my list. I love. Yes, yeah. there's a lot on here, but I'll save that for the Discord. Well, and that's an interesting to one too, because there's a lot of versions of that song, but the one you're talking about is the one. It's the, so girl yeah. groupy, Phil Spector, RIP, also fuck you, Phil Spector, wall <laughs> yeah, of sound exactly. kind of like vibes. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it just nails it. It just nails it. And it's just like so exciting and makes you want to get up and dance. It's so fun. Well, well, no, how about you? Uh, hit us with some of your short lists. I'll do it really quickly. Uh, and some of these are largely because of the way they turned me on to the artists that are being covered. I was really into Tori Amos, and I still am. Like, I think she's kind of entered a bit of an adult contempo phase that I'm not super behind. <laughs> but, like, up to a point, I thought she could do no wrong. And she had an entire covers album called Strange Little Girl. Um, and she did a cover of New Age by the Velvet Underground. And it was the first time I'd ever heard that song. And it turned me onto the Velvet Underground. Um, another one is Strawberry Letter 23, uh, originally by Shuggy Otis, performed by the Brothers Johnson, which is probably m- on most people's radar because of, you know, like R&B like, or classic soul radio, but also because of Jackie Brown. It's all up in that movie. Um, another one is, let's see, Teardrop by Massive Attack, covered by Jose Gonzalez. I mentioned his cover of uh, Heartbeats earlier. He does a bunch of really good stripped down, very mellow covers of big budget electronic kind of bangers. Yeah. Uh, Harvest actually, Moon. Oh, good. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say I actually have Massive Attack on my shortlist too, but I left it off just in that ah, conversation. Love, the cover love, of love uh, Be Thankful for What You've Got. But even oh. that, is that like interpolation? Maybe that's more of interpolation than an actual cover. I don't even know that one, so I couldn't but, say, yeah. but, but it's possible. Um, and then I've got two Neil Youngs back to back. And originally, just full disclosure, these two were my original number one and number two. Oh. So my Original number two was Harvest Moon by Neil Young as as interpreted by Poolside, which is like sort oh, of like a, it's really good. Yeah. yeah electronic. Like, it's a, kind of funny because I got into it right when it came out and now I hear it in Target all the time because <laughs> it's so mellow and it's like so accessible that I get why it's like filled that space. But I thought it was really special when I first heard it. Uh, it's and funny then, that their mm, band name is called Poolside because that's the kind of music you hear like at a pool, like at a hotel. Right. I think that that. That irony is not lost on them. (laughs) And then my number one is a really great Pixies B-side cover of a Neil Young song, I've Been Waiting For You, uh, where Kim Kim sings it. And it's just really feedback-y, and it's like one of Neil's early record uh, it's one of I think from his first record so it's much more like folksy and stripped down and then the pixies just like slam it and like make it super feedback drenched and kind of creepy like they do and that's that's why I was originally my number one nice nice uh, here's a few that almost made my list but didn't um, let's see uh, the talking head song warning sign but covered by local natives that's a really good one uh, shoo shoes the song apostat commander covered by sunset rubdown 
Um, David Bowie's song Sound and Vision covered by Beck. He like turned it into like a 10 minute epic. It's amazing. Nice. Uh, and Shaw Day by your side, but not the version from the Scott Pilgrim soundtrack, the Caitlin Aurelius Smith version, oh, which is like real wow. floaty and electronic and like zend out. Is that on her new like yoga album? No, no, no. I think it's just a, it's like a <laughs> one-off that she just kind of like released oh. into the world. But it, I have got to say, one. you buried the lead a little bit because nobody talks about Sunset Rubdown, and that is one of my favorite bands. Nice. Like maybe not ever. Just some a couple of their songs are just in my heart. Like of oh, hearts, yeah. you know that song "Us Ones in Between" off yeah. of the record. Uh, What's it called? Uh, it's the one with stadiums and shrines on it. Like it's their. It's first, got a long like, name. Sta- yeah, yeah. That oh, one. it's uh, it's like like like. Shut up! I am dreaming of a place where blah 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 blah. But it's you know for anyone that doesn't know, it's the guy from Wolf Parade that plays the keys. His name's um, Spencer, Spencer Krug, Krug. and yeah. he also has a really cool band that's like a supergroup band with Dan Behar from Destroyer <laughs> and Carrie Mercer from Frog Eyes called Swan Lake. And if you haven't heard that, they have two really fabulous records uh, that I highly. recommend recommend everyone check out man songs like uh, are you swimming in her pools and stuff like that mm. are just dude some of the best songs i've ever heard yeah i yeah. love 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 that band and one more thing i'll shout out real quick uh just because for some reason in this in this uh quarantine era that we've been living through artists have been getting really into doing cover albums i'm i'm, I'm here for it because a lot of them are really good so here's just a couple that i've really enjoyed um one is one called covers by marika hackman that one's really great um one is called save stereo gum an aughts covers compilation that one's really good and my favorite is one called quarantine quavers spelled q-o-v-e-r-s <laughs> volume one by cody blanchard and he's that dude. Um, he's one of the founding members of uh, Shannon and the Clams. And he's just got a killer voice and a great aesthetic. Really dig him. Um, well, the last thing we do, we got to close up. We got to get out of here. But before we go, let's throw a quick, whatever we're listening to now, whatever we're enjoying, album or whatever, on the employee recommendation shelf. Uh, the, the one I'm going to throw up there, um, I've recently decided to get more into Blur. <laughs> I only owned a couple of Blur Woo-hoo! albums. And there I was like, hey, yeah. they, they have a lot more out there. I'm sure it's all as good as what I've already heard. So I wanted to, to just catch up real quick. And I found this out of print box set called Blur 21. Though the words are wrong and really, really, really could I burn. Yes, and really. It came out in 2012. It's got 21 discs in it. And so like for every album, there's an album full of B-sides. There's four discs of just rarities. There's three concerts on a DVD. There's uh, it comes with a seven inch, one of their very first things they ever recorded before they were even called Blur. It's great stuff. So basically everything up until 2012 is in this box set called Blur 21. You found that used or something? I I had to buy it on eBay. But yeah, if if anyone can find it anywhere, grab a copy. Man, um, I was just like, probably the person who owned it originally paid a lot for that. That's a lot. It was 100% sealed too. I got it brand new on eBay for a very reasonable price. Wow. Um, But yeah, basically everything except for their 2015 album, uh, The Magic Whip, is in this box set. So it's it's a great catch up. funny. Like I always think of them as being very mod 
sudden very like hipster kind of like slick kind of you know whatever like girls who like boys who like girls who <laughs> right. like girls and all that yeah. stuff but there's a song of theirs off of the train spotting soundtrack that is purely shoegaze right it's purely like big feedbacky guitars and droney kind of like reverby vocals and like big beat kind of reverb drums like that Phil Spector fuck you sound um, <laughs> but like I don't know any of their big songs that sound anything like that so I want to get into that era of blur whatever the song is that's on the train spotting soundtrack I want to get more into that era of blur well that's one thing I've learned basically uh, while listening to all of blur chronologically is that um you know his Damon Albarn's like ability to do any style he wants as gorillas now that really started back in blur where he was in a traditional rock group and then he was like you know what I want to push some boundaries you know what I want to fuck with people mm-hmm. like the only reason that song 2 you know their big american hit exists at all was that he was getting tired of basically that kind of like pastoral british sound of being like the kinks so he's like yep. fuck you we're going to make an album just to piss people off and that was that self-titled album with song 2 that made them like blow up was he like isn't that funny in the same way that uh smells like teen spirit was kurt cobain ripping off the pixies yeah yeah like knowingly and yet no one else would ever think that a (laughs) and b it's like their biggest like probably the biggest radio single for a rock band probably of all time and another big one that was a big radio single in that same era, Creep by Radiohead. That really that was great, their Scott Walker song. <laughs> <laughs> that really great Johnny Greenwood part where like in the in the course of it, he's like, chick, 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 chick. That's because he hated that part of the song and he wanted to fuck with it. So he was like, no, just like putting noise in it. But like, it was also in their pitch meeting for that record. Th- they said, this is our Scott Walker song. Right. Uh, and and, and the, the, the executive thought, Oh, your big lead single's a cover? Yeah. No, they meant like this was our like homage to Scott Walker, but they thought they meant it was a Scott Walker song. Right. Yeah, yeah, but, but they yeah, they just meant in the style of like a big torch song, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, anyway, that that's that's mine. Go check out Blur 21. It's a box set. It's good. Tara, what are you throwing up on the on the uh, wall here? I am, I would love to say SZA again, because I can't <laughs> stop listening to it, but um, I'm going to go with Machine Drum song, Wait For You, uh, uh, the whole album, but right now I'm just obsessed with the song, Wait For You. It's from the album of You Of You. Um, which I believe came out in 2020. I could could be wrong on that. But yeah, it's kind of a, this song in particular is kind of a drum and bassy vibe, but like more um, on the trip hop end of things. Like kind of a chill drum and bass, drum and bass vibe. Nice. And, and, and Noel, yeah. I, I know you don't work here, but uh, please, uh, what, what are you into right now? Throw something up on the wall. I um, am really into the new Avalanches record, We Will yeah. Always Love You. In a big, big way, because I I have a a weird love affair with that band. Like I I found Wildflower kind of because it was well reviewed. And I I was like, oh, what's this band that like hasn't put out a record in 15 years? And then I remember that when I was in college and like my college experience wasn't particularly remarkable, but I took some photography classes and I wasn't an art major, but I like, you know, interacted with the art faculty uh, because of taking that like elective. And one of my favorite 
professors that I had. Her name was Jennifer Onofrio, and we were in the photo lab, and she was the professor. She, you know, you'd, you'd be like developing negatives and stuff, and someone would put on music. And she had this record on and I was like, what is this? And she's like, oh, it's the avalanches. And it was their first record uh, called Since I Left You. And they literally didn't put out another record for 15 years. And then like when that record came out, I was like, oh, I remember this band from 10 years ago when my like, you know, photography professor played it in the photo lab. And then I just became obsessed with it. And then um, they came out with this new record that's all about the uh, gold disc they sent out into into space that Carl Sagan had a, a big hand in. And they're just... I don't know. I, I'm like I said earlier in the in the in our conversation that I'm really into buying weird records and sampling things, and I think the Avalanches do a really good job of being a sampley group that doesn't feel like a DJ set. That's like, oh, look at me and my like <laughs> mashups, you know? Like they do it in a really artful, like kind of textural way that really kind of speaks to your soul and the way they talk about this new record they say like think about how every like transmission that's ever been sent out is still coursing through space on its way to somewhere and like they they refer to these signals as like being like little ghosts and i just find that so poetic and fucking romantic and like okay style you know like i i despise artist statements so if the record wasn't actually good that would all be bullshit but the record <laughs> really is in line with that sentiment where you're listening to it and it feels like you're washed in all these sounds from all these different eras that are all kind of coalescing to give you this sense of like home kind of, I don't know. I just, I, I really love it a lot. Have you heard the books? No. Oh, Ooh. Oh God. Yes. No, no, no. The band, the books. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I have. Oh, okay. Yes. I was yes, like, I wait, yes, you I have. have to yeah, hear the, books. the, what is it? The something pink. It's called the, the, the lemon of the pink, the lemon of pink. Yeah. Which is lemon of pink. Yeah. Means, something but. like that. Yeah. yeah they're interesting. They're, they're very similar. And I, like I said, I, I like to take weird records of like spoken word and kind of like, you know, procedural things and sample them and use them and recontextualize them. And the books are also great at that. And they also have a cellist, if I'm not mistaken. Well, this has been an excellent day of going through lists and discussing music. We've had so much fun, but uh, unfortunately, we really do have to close up the store right now. So, uh, hey, Noel, thank you so much for coming in and hanging out oh, with us. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for letting me ramble in your record store and not kicking me to the curb until now. Our door is always <laughs> open to you until until it's closed because the store is closed and uh, that time is now. So, hey, thanks everyone for coming in and uh, listening to us talk. Thank you, Noel. But the store is officially closed. Happy trails, everyone. Until we meet again. Record Store Society is hosted by Tara Davies and Seth Nicholas Johnson. If you'd like to contact the show, you can send an email to recordstoresociety at iheartmedia.com. Or you can find us on all your favorite social media sites with the handle at Record Store Society. Record Store Society is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Are you in excruciating pain brought on by your son, daughter, or spouse suffering from addiction? The sleepless nights, the constant worry, and the feelings of isolation. Recovery Centers of America wants you to know you're not alone. Addiction destroys families. But if you call Recovery Centers of America today at 1-888-RECOVERY, your loved one can begin to recover. And so can your whole family at Recovery Centers of America at Monroeville. 
your loved one will be treated with compassion and dignity by expert addiction professionals while recovering in a world-class facility. Family Support Services will give you knowledge, connection, and community so that you can begin to heal and recover as well. Call 1-888-RECOVERY today. Recovery Centers of America accepts insurance, provides transportation, and offers intervention services at no cost. Patients are admitted 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Call 1-888-RECOVERY now. My name is Kristen Nobles, and I am the host of a new podcast called Close to the Chest with Kristen and Christine. I have been chronically ill for over 20 years, and a doctor told me she believed that my breast implants were causing an autoimmune disease that was attacking my body. That is when I learned about breast implant illness. This disease is not my fault. I am not going to allow BII to define who I am. Listen to Close to the Chest with Kristen and Christine every Wednesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, friends. I'm Hector Navarro. And I'm Frankie Grande. We're your hosts for SpongeBob Binge Pants, Nickelodeon's podcast celebrating all things SpongeBob universe. We have the privilege that not many SpongeBob fans get. This being an official Nickelodeon podcast, we get to interview the brilliant humans behind the names we've all been reading in those credits for over 20 years. It was a blast. Steve had a a sign over his door that said, have fun or you're fired. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. First of all, for everybody out there who doesn't believe that we're talking to you, can you say something as Sandy? (laughs) Sure, of course. Howdy, everyone from uh, Bikini Bottom and actually from my living room. (laughs) (laughs) It's Sandy, you guys. It's Sandy Cheeks. I'm freaking out. This is a podcast by fans for fans. And I think SpongeBob would call it the best podcast ever. Listen to SpongeBob binge pants on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.